Hey guys, my name is Crystal Kenny, and I'm in love with creating. All things artistic and imagination involved. I'm an American girl who chased her creative dreams all the way to Paris, France, making a living using photography. This podcast takes you inside the stories of all the artsy folks I've met along the way and gives you that extra push to discover your creative gifts. The desire to create is deeply inside each and every one of us, and I give you the tools and inspiration to find a new way of living a more creative life. This is La Vie Creative, the podcast. Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. If you want more bonus material and to support the show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash la vie creative. And also don't forget to check out Amazon where you can pick up my new book, Paris, A Life Less Ordinary. In the book, I talk about my creative adventures in Paris, from starting my business to being homeless, hello, starving artist, (laughs) to how I met all these wonderful creative people. Don't forget to check it out on Amazon. And also, thank you so much once more for listening and for your support. Enjoy the show. So welcome back to Paris History, Abeka Hemingway. I am here with Claudine Hemingway. Today, we are talking about Queen... Bert, which I'm still having a hard time saying her name, apparently. I just, I really want to say Bert, but it's Bert, the French way. We went through this when we did Bert Morisot, too. (laughs) We definitely went through this before. This is not the first time. Uh, But anyway, she has an interesting history, which Claudine is going to tell you more about right now. And uh, basically, she was uh, kidnapped and switched out for another queen, which is very interesting. (laughs) I'll let Claudine take it from here. Yeah, this this one, we're going way, way back for this story, too, because it was it happened in 720. So this is this is the farthest back we've gone so far for a story. Wow, 720. Yeah, it's such an interesting story. And I kind of actually discovered her because she's one of my favorite statues in the Jardin de Luxembourg of the 20 illustrious women in French history. She's kind of I've always loved her statue because she in her hand is holding a um a, a little throne with a, a man on it and i was always you know wondering what exactly that was all about so i'll tell you all about it so yeah whenever i walk through the garden i always think of you now because i'm like oh that's what all these women statues are in the luxembourg garden i had no idea they're so great because they're not just like oh here's the top 20 queens you know they're you know, there's ones that, you know, Catherine de Medici's not there. There's um, quite a, you know, there's no Marie Antoinette. There's, a, it's interesting, the uh, people that they picked, there's even one that's not even a real person. So it's, uh, it's really interesting. I just love those statues. I'm curious who picked the statues. It was uh, Louis, the, Louis Philippe. When, oh, Louis Philippe. Yeah, he wanted him to, he wanted to add these statues there. And so a list was presented to him. There used to actually be, um, Joan of Arc used to be there as well. But it, she started de- getting deteriorating in the weather, and they actually moved that statue inside um, to the um, Musée de Louvre. Oh, this is more information that's great to know. It is. Anytime. We'll have to do Jean Doctor. Jean Doctor. So, but Queen Bert, um, she was the daughter of Count Caribert de Long and uh, his wife Bertrand de Prume. 
and he was very powerful. And again, this is 720. So keep this in mind, 720. Long and time ago. A long, long time ago. And so Pepin the Short was at the time was, um, it wasn't even, I don't, it wasn't even considered the King of France at that point, but he was basically, Pepin the Short was kind of, you know, the head honcho. And he had heard about this beauty um, uh, of, Bert and her name was actually Berton. So uh, Bert and he had heard about her and how beautiful she was. And so he decided he wanted her as his wife. Uh. And so there's, there's a different accounts that say that he was actually married at the time. And so a lot of people say that, no, he wasn't. So this, uh, again, because it is 720, there's a lot of things with the story that, you know, um, it could be legends, it could be true, but, uh, you know, I don't think they didn't exactly have the record keeping that I was going to say yeah. hard to find information <laughs> from yeah. 720, 720. <laughs> so he, you know, it, it says that he was married and, and her name was, uh, Luperji, and he had asked her just to leave because he wanted to marry Bert because, you know, he heard she's just so gorgeous. And, and so he, so this woman basically just left, <laughs> Left so you just like get out. You're not hot enough. Yep, get, yep, yeah. Getting a new shiny toy to play with. Yep. Yep. Goes back a long time. So <laughs> <laughs> men will always be the same. Yeah. So, uh, but the legend of her life, this is such a great story. And when I originally told you this, uh, you were like, we have to do an episode about it because it is such an interesting story, something that you don't normally hear all the time. Um, but so when she left and she was supposed to be on her way to go marry Pepin, he, um, she was accompanied by her cousins, Tiber and Margiste and and their daughter. And so they were on their way and Margiste decided, Hey, you know what? My daughter at least looks a lot like Bert. Maybe we could go ahead and like trick them and say that my daughter is Bert. So he kind of hatched his plan and he had, you know, of these other, you know, men with them. And, and so he kept telling um, Bert how horrible Pepin was. And he was just this horrible person and he was killing all these people and you don't want to marry him. So she was just poisoning, he was poisoning her mind to it. And so she just, you know, at that point, but she was on her way. And, you know, back then you, you didn't really have a choice. You didn't get to have a choice of who you was really. I was going to say there wasn't a choice for women yeah. and many things back then. No, especially when it comes to royalty. So they were, you know, they're camping out along the way and they're um, near the Lemon um, forest. And he had all these other men with him. And he heard and one of the men heard Margie say that he was going to kill her and cut off her head. Because oh, they nice. To, yeah, they needed to get rid of Barrett before they got there to, you know, so his plan could come to fruition. So. They're camping overnight and um, his man, this man hears this and he, you know, was terrified for her. And so he found a way to get, you know, to, to untie her and let her escape. And, and so she got away. And so lucky her, she was very lucky. And so she was, she's out there in the forest and then the party just continues on. So they continue on and they get to um, Pepin and, you know, they, Basically, they think that that's Barrett because back then, you know, it's not like you're going to open up their picture on Instagram or Tinder. There was no. I was gonna say, they didn't know what she was like. They only got the, the picture that was painted of her yeah. or whatever. Yeah. This is maybe the first story of catfishing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, it is. We're telling the first catfish story. I'm so proud of us. 
is. So, uh, Bar- but Barrett's back there in the forest. She finds a um, farmer. She goes and she she's able to stay in their house and live with them it for years. So this was years. So Margie's and his daughter are there and Pepin is, you know, like, oh, she's just so beautiful and, and just loves her. And they, you know, get married and everything's going to be great. Well, one day, um, Barrett's mom misses her daughter. And this is a few years down the road. And she decides that she's going to go to court and visit her daughter. So she gets there. She notices immediately that this this woman is not her daughter. And she's telling everybody this and everybody just said, oh, you know, you're, you're crazy. Of course that's, that's her. And, you know, it's just a mother knows, but <laughs> she kept looking at her and everybody was just like, you know, no, that is her. So one day she goes to visit her daughter in her room and she lifts up the blanket to look at her feet. So Barrett was nicknamed in the 13th century, long after, a lot later, um, there was a poem written b- about her that was basically um, it was Barrett with the with the big feet. Oh gosh, <laughs> that's not yeah. a great thing to be remembered for. <laughs> well, it's a little worse. She actually had a club foot, so it means that one foot Ew. was like drastically longer than the other foot. So she, so you know, here comes mom, and she goes into the bedroom. She lifts up the blanket. Well, the imposter has two feet that are the same size. And gotcha, like Gross. you're not obviously <laughs> my daughter. So she she tells everybody this, and then now they finally believe her. You know, now they finally believe that you know, okay, this this obviously isn't there. So they had her arrested. They had her father arrested. He was burnt at burnt alive, burnt at the stake. She, the girl, was sent to prison. Later, she was killed as well. And sounds so like happy endings. Like happy endings, but poor Bert. She's still out in the forest. <laughs> she didn't know any of this happened. No, I mean, how would you back then even know anything was even going on? You know, you'd probably, it's, I, you know, did they even have, you know, newspapers? <laughs> yeah, they didn't know how to read. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think so. So, um, you know, now everybody is sad and everybody's trying to figure out where she is and they were searching everywhere for her and for months and months and months. And couldn't find her. And so one day Pepin and his men decide to go hunting and they're hunting in the forest of Le Mans and he gets separated from his party and he find comes across this beautiful lady in the woods kneeling and praying. And this sounds it. kind of like Snow White or something. I know, maybe it was the original Snow White. So he sees her and they start talking and, you know, she realized, he realizes that she is now, she is actually Bert. This is the woman he was supposed to be married to. So, you know, every, it's all, it's all rejoice. They're back together. He's found her. She's saved. They go back to court. They end up getting, they got married in um, 743 and um, everything was fine. <laughs> Wait, so we know what time they got married? Oh, no, I was thinking like 7.43 is the time. No, it's the year. <laughs> like, we don't know anything, but we know the time. <laughs> it's 7.43. <laughs> like, wow, okay. It's 7.43 p.m. on some unknown day they got married. 
Well, where is this information coming from? Is this like folklore passed down from everybody? No, I actually have this book that's it's all in French and it's about the 20 statues in um, the Luxembourg. And that is where I found all of it. And I mean, it's they did an amazing job on researching like every statue has like seven or eight pages of information. I haven't ever seen this story anywhere else. But I figured, you know, if they wrote a book about all the statues and all the other info is pretty good, then this is a good story. <laughs> I was going to say, I like this story because I love that the they were reunited the way they were supposed to be because of her club foot. <laughs> because of her club foot, her giant <laughs> left foot or right foot, it was uh, what ended up saving her. <laughs> and you can see her statue in the Luxembourg Garden today. Yes, yes. So they end up get they get married. Um, apparently, they were also very closely related, Bert and uh, Pepin. And at first, um, they actually said that they their wedding, you know, because they were so closely related that it it wasn't um, legal. And mm. in uh, she ended up having a son, and her son was named Charles was the first one. And at this time, Pepin the Short, he had succeeded his father in 741, um, Charles Mantel, as the mayor of the palace. And at that time, during the Merovingian dynasty, the mayor, the what they called the mayor of the palace, was basically the highest rank you could have. Hmm, okay. It's back in the 800s or wherever we are now. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, when you say mayor of the palace, it sounds like, you know, it's the chief usher or something. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> sound all that house. prestigious. <laughs> I know. So, um, you know, now he, you know, now he's very highly ranked. And so they have a son and his name is Charles. And so then he um, they ended up having a second son. Um, Charles was born in 748 on April 2nd, and then she had seven, that was the first of seven children. She then had um, another son after that, Carloma, and um, only three of the children would actually live to adulthood. Wow. I mean, these are the times for that to happen, and also they were related, so maybe the kids didn't turn out so great. Yeah, yeah. So they had uh, uh, Charles, Carloma, and Giselle actually all lived to adulthood. The other ones didn't didn't live that long. So um, Pepin at the time when he, he was a huge defender of the Pope. He asked for support and advice of the Pope and Pope Zacharias. um, Actually, he went to him and said, can you get rid of the Merovingian King Childeric the third? And the Pope said, you, you know, you're actually the one that has all the power. You could, you could do that yourself. So Pepin at the time decided to, okay, well, I will do that. And he did, he got rid of, um, Chalarek, he basically sent him to a, he went to a monastery and then now Pepin considered himself the king of the Franks. All right. Yeah. So Pepin dies in 768 and he leaves his son to his, he leaves all of his land to his two sons, Carloman and Charles. You might know Charles better as Charlemagne. <laughs> oh, I love this even more now. So interesting. Yeah. So Charlemagne is, you know, like there's this beautiful, huge bronze statue that's right outside of um, Notre Dame de Paris. And so most people like that might be where they really know who Charlemagne, everybody's probably heard of the name Charlemagne. Um, but after his father died, Barrett still was, she was very close with Charles and her children and would help, you know, oversee things and, and advise advise them on decisions and she was trying to orchestrate some marriages for each of them. 
As one does. As one does. And so that was kind of the only time that Charles Charlemagne um, got a little upset with her because he didn't want to marry the, you know, because everything, you know, it's still, you know, every story we talked to about, even up to Mary Antoinette, all these marriages were always for, to give you something. It was to join you with another country or, you know, it's uh, to end wars. It was all these things. So Charles, you know, he wanted to do something on his own. So that was kind of the only time that basically they had issues between the two of them. But Mm -hmm. when Pepin died, he actually divided the land between his two sons. So Charles had his area. uh, Carloman had his area. And so they, they, you know, they basically had different territories. And so in seven, in 771, Carloman died suddenly. Instead of taking, you know, the land and, you know, giving it to his, to his sons, he, Charles, Charlemagne decided to just take all of it. So he he was just like, nope, forget this. I'm taking over. I'm going to be, you know, the, the Holy Roman emperor. I'm going to do all this. So that was a, that at that point, Barrett was just kind of like, you know, maybe this isn't, you know, maybe this isn't so great. So she decided to, you know, she tried to reason with her son. She tried to, you know, convince him that, you know, no, this isn't good. You know, that we need to get keep this, you know, in the family and and you don't need to take over. And and at that point, it was kind of that was towards the end of their relationship. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like things are about to explode. And she's been keeping it into the family for far too long, it sounds like, yes. from marrying like a relative. Yes, yes. So she, um, he sent her away. And she went to Choisy-Aubac and the near Compagnie and which was a royal residence since the Merovingian times. And so she stayed there for a few years and then she died on July 12, 783. Mm. At 63 years old, which is pretty good for the 700s. For the Also, she had like 11 kids or whatever. Seven kids, yeah. Yeah, like having that many kids is pretty death-defying too. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the years in the forest. <laughs> yeah, let's not forget the years in the forest. Yeah. So Charlemagne would go on to become the he would be named the Holy Roman Emperor by Pope Leon the Third on Christmas Day in the year eight hundred. Hmm. So after his death, um after after she died, he she was originally buried in the Eglise Saint Etienne. De Choisillac, and he, he, she stayed there for a while. But then later on, Charlemagne decided he would have his mother moved, and so she was moved to the Basilique Saint Denis, where she would be um, interred next to her husband Pepin. Until the revolution happened, and yeah. all the bodies got taken away. Exactly. Yeah. So then they were all dug up and thrown into a pit. <laughs> what a crazy life, though. I mean, she survived so much. And, and like, yeah. no one knows the history of the mother of Charlemagne. Like, that's wild. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, the, the 20 illustrious women in the garden, they, you know, Marie de Medici, who we've also talked about, she was the one who, you know, built, she wanted this beautiful palace that would remind her of uh, growing up in Florence and had that built and had all, you know, the gardens around it, but it wasn't Marie de Medici's who created the gardens that we see and know today. You know, she made her fountain um, that was just basically the back of the fountain. When you go see it, like basically it was the, just the back of the fountain, the facade of it. Um, Cause it's kind of like a grotto, but it didn't have the huge statues that are on it now when mm-hmm. he did it. Um, so this, the women in the, in the 
garden weren't from her. You know, as we said, it was Louis Philippe. And in 1847, 1847, he was the one who decided to have those all added. Interesting. So it was all him. It wasn't her. No, no. And like uh, some of the other ones that are there, Mary Queen of Scots. So, you know, that's interesting because she's, you know, Scottish. She, you know, mm-hmm. she was married to Francois, um, who was the son of Henry II and Catherine de Medici. So, you know, it's like she's kind of, kind of sort of French. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how is she French? Yeah, she's an immigrant. She's an immigrant. Yeah. So and then you also have Saint-Jean-Vieve, who, of course, you know, is a patron saint that saved Paris from Attila the Hun. And, you know, Marie de Medicis. And then one of my favorites, Clemence Isaru who is actually just a made up person. So I'll have to share that story sometime. Yeah, Um, that's a great one. But it is kind of fun. And um, Marie, there is Marie de Medicis, but there's not Catherine. One day I was in the park and these two Americans were standing and they were like, now, which one is this? And they kept talking. They're (laughs) like, is this Marie or Catherine? Isn't she the one? And then I actually just walked up, which usually I don't like to do, but I walked up and I go, actually, She's the one. And I gave him a little <laughs> See, this is why you were born to do this job. Yeah. But but the Queen Barrett, like we said at the beginning, is one of my favorite ones because she is standing there in this big, you know, regal dress. And it was designed by Eugene Eugene Andre and Udine in eighteen forty eight. And she's standing there in her royal gown and and in her hand and she's holding in her in her left hand. She's holding a little throne with a little man on it. And that is her son, Charlemagne. So in a lot of ways, you know, she was basically, you know, Charlemagne was kind of at that, you know, that had done so much to kind of create the the shape of France. You know, it got closer to the shape of France that we know today. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of ways, you know, she's kind of the mother of France. I like that. And also it's great that she survived that traumatic event of being almost bludgeoned to death in the forest. <laughs> a lot of this sounds like human trafficking the more I think about it. Yeah, it probably yeah, it's a little the little human trafficking to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean catfishing, human trafficking. Very much the world we live in today. It is. It is. But yeah, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it sounds more like a little bit of a legend than it is uh, the the real story, but it's still a pretty good one. I love it. Thank you so much, Claudine. And tune in next week, guys, for another woman in French history. Thank you for listening to Paris History Avec A. Hemingway. If you want to find out some more, you could always find me on my Instagram page, Claudine Bleu Blanc Rouge, and that's B-L-E-U, as in the French way to spell it. And each day I post a daily history lesson about a person or a place or something in Paris, or it's lots of fun facts. And then also at ClaudineHemingway.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter there.